Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk. Happy Hour Radio, sponsored by Mary Hill Winery. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Well, good evening, Seattle. Good evening, Puget Sound, and welcome to Happy Hour Radio. I'm your host, Christopher Chan, advanced sommelier, your weekend wine guy, and uh, I still can't figure out the scholar of scotch. I just did. It's it's whiskey time. It's uh, scotchy scotch scotch time. It is uh, cold and dark outside and uh, no doubt raining and wet, and something that really warms the spirit is a uh, beautiful dram of a wee dram of scotch. And when it comes to scotch, there are I tell a story of how I got really into the whole alcohol business. Uh, I was 12 years old and I was, you know, adventurous. I reached into my dad's liquor cabinet and the first pull of whiskey of, of a spirit I ever tasted was Laphroaig 10-year single malt scotch. And uh, at 12 years old, you don't really understand the idea of peat smoke and all that, and that just turned me off. Um, Till about eight years ago when uh, uh, one of my uh, friends, the ambassador of Laphroaig, was in town. He turned me on to a rusty nail. And from, from that point on, I got it. And uh, the light switch is on in my head for scotch. And actually, uh, my friend Simon Brooking, ambassador for Laphroaig, is here in studio. Simon, welcome back to Seattle. Thanks very much, Chris. It's great ah, to be here. Excellent. It's good to have you. Good to see you. And uh, you have been a consummate professional, an educator, an ambassador for one of the great whiskeys of the world. Um, give me a little history about Laphroaig. Sure, absolutely. And I, I love the story you start off the, with, Chris, because uh, 90% of America broke into their father's liquor cabinet when they were 12, <laughs> drank a bottle of scotch, and swore never to touch it ever again. Yes, that was That's me. Uh, my job as ambassadors to bring people over to the dark side, um, which is rather apropos this time of the year and given uh, the, the movies coming out and all that. Um, but uh, certainly it, it's, uh, it can be a challenge. Um, I think um, scotch in general, um, just because because of the alcohol, but uh, certainly the flavor profile is rather unique. And uh, until you're you're standing on the dock at the Laphroaig Distillery with the the salt in your in your nose and <laughs> uh, and the the smoke in your eyes, um, it can be a bit of a challenge for folks because they're not sure why this whiskey tastes the way it does. But uh, same thing if you get up into the Highlands and and if you're down in the Lowlands as well, um, uh, I always encourage people if they come to visit our distilleries also to visit the land around. The the distilleries because you start to understand terroir yeah whiskey has terroir and um, it's it, it's a, a key part of what makes all of the whiskies in a country smaller than the size of Kentucky uh, over 100 single malt distilleries in Scotland uh, so uh, because of that you do get uh, a regionality to these whiskies um, and when you, once you start to understand the variety of flavors that are out there uh, you know suddenly you're a a kid in a sweet shop and uh, there's a lot to offer there is a lot to offer so for our listeners when we talk about Scotland the Isle of Scotland we have what five areas we have uh, the lowlands the highlands Speyside uh, the islands there's the island of Mull the island of Isla of course and the island of uh, oh, or island of Skye yes and 
Historically, there were really traditionally only three regions. There was lowlands, highlands, and, and the islands. Uh, but because the first licensed distillery wa it was in a region known as the, the Valley of the River Spay, Speyside, uh, this distillery, first licensed legal distillery, 1823, when they first started licensing uh, whiskey production, was a tiny little uh, distillery called Glenlivet. It's <laughs> still around today, in fact. But because of that, it is what, the reason it's one of the largest just selling uh, single malts. Uh, but because of that, that became a region unto itself in in Scotland. And so, um, and today I think you will also see uh, Northern Highlands, you'll see Eastern Highlands. We have two distilleries, uh, Ardmore as well as uh, Glengarry that are examples of the Eastern Highland, the Aberdeenshire style. Um, and then the Lowlands, uh, we also have Auchentoshan. There is one other region, uh, historical region that's Campbelltown which is this Florida-like peninsula off the west coast of Scotland and Campbelltown was uh, the heart of whiskey making in the uh, early in the mid 1800s because it was a port town oh makes sense um, you know and uh, you look at the distilleries um, the Isla distilleries Lafroig and Beaumore uh, they uh, they're all situated on waterways because that was the the mode of transportation was either by rivers or by sea in the early 1800s. Um, but then as the railways came in in the, the late 1800s and the roads got better, um, the mode of transportation changed. Ardmore is a good example of that because it's located literally on a railway line. So you were hmm. able to get grain in and then able to get product off. So Campbelltown is has faded in terms of the uh, the number of distilleries, but still has some really fantastic whiskey. There are three distilleries in Campbelltown today, and and that's a, a, a region unto itself as well. Uh, very interesting. Uh, have Simon uh, Brooking, uh, the ambassador of Lafroy here, which is. Uh well, one of the most recognized scotches in the world, it comes from a small island in the southwest area uh, called Isla. And um, when we think about Isla, for those who actually are into scotch, um, it's known for peat. But is is peat, uh, are there any other areas in Scotland that uses peat, or is Isla most, most pronounced? Uh, there is uh, peat all over Scotland, um, on the mainland. Um, we actually, uh, with Ardmore, is a peated highland whiskey. But the peat from the highlands is more decomposed pine trees. The peat mm. from the islands is more decomposed seaweed. So I always like to compare the differences, like the difference between sitting around a campfire in the forest versus sitting around a bonfire on the beach. Ah. Lafroig is that beach bonfire. Ah, neat. And I also, because Isla's located on the west coast of Scotland, I compare the west coast of Scotland to the Pacific Northwest coast. Um, if you think about along, you know, Washington and Oregon and mm -hmm. British Columbia, the storms that come across Storm the Pacific, trees and same things happening uh, on uh, on the west coast of Scotland. And because of that, that dictates the style of the spirit um, because it's a damper climate. Uh, people will... will they'll gravitate towards more of a, a, a more of a robust style whiskey because it's cold and damp and wet and you want to warm yourself up and that's what <laughs> this whiskey does so well. And it's worked throughout the, the ages and when it comes to scotch obviously there is blended uh, scotches and uh, stuff that's just called scotch but then it comes to single malt so give us a little breakdown on uh, 
what Scotch means. I mean, when it comes to single malt the categories. Sure, absolutely. Uh, you know, whiskey is a general term, means distilled from a fermented grain, and Scotch has to be come from has to come from Scotland. That the two primary categories are single malts and blends, and a single malt means it's a distilled product made from a f- saccharified and fermented cereal extract, implemented only by the enzymes of malted barley. Wow. Yeah, you don't need to know that. Yeah. But you do need to know it has to be made out of pure malted barley, uh, distilled in copper pot stills, and aged in oak barrels for a minimum of three years by law in Scotland before it can legally be called a single malt scotch. Now, one of the biggest um, uh, misconceptions for single malt scotch is that it's all coming from one barrel. Um, mm-hmm. And we can't maintain a consistency of flavor by doing that because the barrels will vary from 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 barrel from from barrel to, to barrel year, year to year season. so uh that actually um is a is a nice introduction to one of the whiskies that we brought the first one that we've brought here today which is Lafroig Select uh this is a new Lafroig and this is a marriage of uh, a number two different types of bourbon cask two different sizes and two different uh types of sherry oloroso and uh, Pedro Jimenez sherry cask. We marry all that whiskey, and then it goes into a new American oak for for one uh, for one summer. You're going to get more of the influence of the wood. For us at Lafroig, the longer in the barrel and more touches of wood, you're going to get less smoke, more the influence of the wood itself. And this actually is more indicative of the kind of style of whiskies that were being produced in the 19th century. Hmm. The distillers weren't sitting around waiting for 10, 15 years to uh, bottle the whiskeys. Yeah, right. They were bottling them right away, either directly from a barrel or they were picking the best barrels, marrying those to create a new flavor profile. And that's what the no-age statement whiskey is in Scotland with single malt scotch. You've got vintage whiskies like the standard Laphroaig 10-year, but you've got also our no-age statement whiskies like the new Select. We've also got one called Quarter Cask. We've got another one called Triplewood. And it's about bottling to a flavor. It's not about bottling to a year, which is more historically accurate to the 19th century. Wow. Uh, and I just took a sip of the uh, Lafroy Select. When did this debut? Uh, this has just been in uh, It's about, about a year now. It's been in uh, globally. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a lighter, sweeter style. Yeah, it um, is. It's quite interesting. Very complex. I mean, I got the two different sherries. So Pedro Jimenez is a, a, a dried-out white grape that really turns black, and they make a very sweet, syrupy style of sherry, a fortified wine. Um, and then the, the, the Oloroso is also a, a what they call a cream-style sherry, which has a little sweetness to it and also a dark color. This That marriage, and then you get the American oak on the finish, um, quite exotic. I mean, it really takes you on this little step into it's almost like an Alice in Wonderland drink for me <laughs> it, it, it is uh, it is a, a key certainly and that's one of the things for us with this Lafroig Select it's also bottled at 40% so um, it's a it's a soft soft sweet yeah. with just a whisper of peat mm, soft and sweet um, and a whisper of peat I, I never thought I would say this but we like to call this an approachable Lafroig uh-huh. um, we also call it gateway Lafroig gateway that's right uh, white zin is the gateway of wine and uh, it's great to you know to mask some of that or, or I should say mask um, the subtleness of the, the peat is uh, is is arousing it, it, it arouses your curiosity and it's not so deft and Deep that attacks your palate and overpowers it, so you can like okay, wow, the sweetness really comes through. Um, select was age statement. So basically, this is a three year, four year. You don't. It's a this blend is of all. A, this is this will range from uh, five up through um, 
12, 13-year-old whiskeys. Excellent. And uh, there's something called pure malt when it comes to whiskeys. What's a pure malt? Because that's on the label of some whiskeys. Well, that's... So you've got single malts. Uh, and then One you've distillery. got blended scotches, which are a blend of different uh, different single malts plus a neutral grain alcohol. And then uh, what's pure malt is one of the terms that's being u- that was used, but it is a blend of different single malts without the neutral grain. Got it. Uh, spirit. All right, and so this is a single malt scotch called Select. It probably runs, I'm saying, the thirty-five, forty dollar range. Um, thanks to our taxes, that makes it 55 Yeah, 55 to 60 <laughs> Thanks, David Kurtz. Uh, representative here with Lefroy. He's got his cool Lefroy sweater, which I just got one, too. So excited. It is the sweater days. Well, uh, you brought three spirits all day. The Select, which I thoroughly enjoyed. It's a great gateway. Uh, I was going to say wine. I always say wine on this show. Great gateway scotch. The next is? The, le- the next one is a Lefroy 15-year, uh, which has been... Um, we we are using to celebrate our 200 year anniversary um on the bottle it says established 1815 oh. uh and that's uh that's oh. the year that actually the english first started taxing whiskey production so instead of established 1815 it should probably say 1815 the year the tax man caught us <laughs> uh, because the johnson brothers have been making it for quite a few years prior to that um but um they they also got their license to um legally produce it in 1823 so so they um, were bootleg well, just, yeah we uh, were all moonshiners <laughs> I don't yep. really call them in that back Bootleggers there. and moonshiners <laughs> were just making good spirit. Uh, how large is the family of Lefroy? In terms of bottling? Yes. Uh, here in the United States, we have, at this point, uh, we've got six different bottlings that are available uh, in varying um, uh, uh, degrees of uh, availability. Uh-huh. Um, 75% of what we produce at Lefroy is 10-year-old. The next 15% is Lefroy quarter cask. So the last 10%, you're talking single digits in terms of um, percentages being produced. And when you consider Lefroig, total staff at Lefroig is 33 people. Really? This is, people think this is a, it's a factory. It's an old farm on an island off the coast of Scotland. Um, and so it is, it is handcrafted. Awesome. Um, well, I'm- the 15 years spent its whole time in bourbon. Uh, and what's really interesting, I think, to note when tasting the 15 year is uh, Lefroy in its teenage years turns a wee bit fruity. <laughs> uh, excited to get out there in the real world. Well, 15 year old Lefroy, when we come back from this break, I'm going to dive into this lovely glass celebrating 200 years of whiskey production on the, uh, the 250 square mile island of Isla off the southwest coast of Scotland. I've got Simon Brooking in town in the house here with Lefroy, and when we come back from this break, we're going to dive into the Lefroy 15 year here on Happy Hour Radio. Stick around, we'll be right back on 570 KVI. Hi, this is Keith Robbins from Teeny Bigs and Hula Hula. You're listening to Happy Hour Radio on 570 KVI. Only one station has Sean Hannity. Weekdays, 3 to 6 p.m. on Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends, and you're listening to Happy Hour Radio. Now back to Seattle, Somalia, Christopher Chan. All right, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. It's time for round two, and uh, you know what? I'm in the mood for a little song. Simon Brooking, they have uh, limericks in Ireland and song in Scotland. Give me a little something. 
And it's westering home with a song in the air, light in the eye, and it's goodbye to care, laughter and love and a welcoming there. I love my heart, my own one. Where are the folks like the folks of the West? Donald and Bessie at Lafroig are the best. There I will hide me, and there I will rest at home with my own folk on Isla. Ah, uh, so sweet. Planche. Well, uh, uh, planche, right? Is that what they say? Slanche. Slanche. Awesome. Yeah, this is the Lafroig 15 year. Mm. It's lovely. For us, uh, the long in the barrel, oh, wow. more the influence of the wood. You're going to back off on the smoke. The wood, you know, the barrels breathe during the summer. They expand, force the whiskey into that wood, and then pull it back out. We're using Maker's Mark bourbon barrels almost exclusively at Lafroig. So you're getting the vanilla, the caramel, but then you're also getting there's that smoke still there. Mm. But there's this. We get a lot of folks asking us if we've actually used sherry casks with this because there's some real dark fruit notes with this one, but uh, just a lovely whiskey, Lafroig 15. Uh, it's really beautiful, um, and this is something that this is so slow to it, it enters your your body slowly. It just pervades, and it's got a great gentle. There's a rhythm to this, the spirit that sort of expands and and um, across your palate. I think that that oak note, um, the sweetness matched with that peat, really really gentle and but uh, concentrated. It's it's still on my. It's it, it lingers. It lingers on the body. It's just permeates your soul <laughs> well for us uh, the younger whiskies are literally in your face they're more forward and the older whiskies start to roll back uh, we've also mm. got an 18 year as well and uh, they, they, they are in some ways simpler because they present themselves um, but they but they're deeper as well they uh, more vertical in terms of the the flavor experience uh, as you're tasting uh, it's really delicious because there's so many so many expressions that can come from uh, different barrels and the peat and, and it takes time to sort of bring out that some of the best expressions and the 15 year certainly has that the complexity and the gentleness um, and it's, it's a handsome malt it really is. Um, when it comes to drinking single malt whiskey, uh, what are the recommendations? Obviously, drink it how you like it, but what are some of the tips to really enhance some of the experience? Well, you take into consideration in Scotland, it's cold and damp and rainy, and that's the way we like it. Um, certainly, uh, as I travel about North America as brand ambassador, um, we get... there. There are too many rules about drinking scotch. I think you drink it the way you like it, as you're saying. The most important thing, uh, definitely, because um, you come to the distilleries, we'll be surprised if you're, you don't add water to the whiskey. Um, all of these whiskeys take water differently, and they take water differently for everybody. So it's really a matter of uh, personal preference. Uh, you only you only overwater your whiskey once. Uh, <laughs> but um, our, our distillery manager, John Campbell, when he is uh, sampling checking casks uh, in the warehouse he will um, uh, he'll nose most of them but when it comes to actually tasting when if he's going to sample a whiskey he'll bring it down to 20% you find the depth of the spirit that way you find all these flavors that are deep within that 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 whiskey that you don't always find uh, at the higher alcohol string. Yeah I just tasted it added some water to uh, my wee dram here and you're right it, it sort of it, it 
it expands the flavor profile. Um, I think sometimes the sharpness of the alcohol can be a little limiting to your senses, and uh, it gets a little bit hot. Um, but you add a little water, it kind of cools it down. It's like yeah. sometimes the pizza's too hot. you got to have the right temperature to really enjoy that slice, all those flavors. And this is what adding a, dro- a drop or two of water will do. And sometimes you like it cold. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, and, uh, 9 a.m. when you just wake up. <clears throat> um, awesome. So Lafroig 15... I would imagine this is in that seventy-five dollar, eighty dollar range. Yeah, where you, where you can find it, you'll see it in about eighty dollars. Yeah, perfect. And uh, those are all of the, the high quality stores: uh, Esquin Wine and Spirits. Uh, who else has got it around town? Uh, Total, Wine. Total Wine. You'll Wine. see it at Costco. Yeah. Oh, great! In the half gallon. <laughs> got to buy two. Yeah. Uh, so fun. Well, uh, we've gone through two expressions: the Select, which is a youthful whiskey, a youthful spirit, and then we went right to 15 years old, um, spry and lively, but uh, complex. Next up is another one you can't pronounce: Carchus. Carchus. Not Cardias. Not Cardias. Not Cardias. Carchus. Carchus, okay. It's a, it's a gorgeous Carchus. Go- well, uh, Lafroy well we, hope, we hope you enjoy um, it. It says Isla Single Malt, and it's uh, the 200th anniversary edition. What? Uh, what's the, the name derivative of Carchus? So, um, Carchus means hospitality, friendship in the Gallic language. Uh, this bottling uh, is uh, an our eighth iteration of it. Every summer is the Isla Whiskey Festival, and all oh. uh, eight distilleries celebrate the, la- the end of May, beginning of June. Um, our, our sister distillery, Beaumore, uh, Lagavulin, Ardbeg, uh, Brookladdy, Bunahaban, Kalila, all of, the, all of the distilleries celebrate. And each day is a special open day um, set aside for each distillery through the week. Um, and each distillery does special bottlings. And this is the 2015 Karchus, uh, because people will see different um, bottlings of Karchus that are out, um, that are available. Um, but each year is a different year. You'll know the year of the bottling if it doesn't, if you don't catch it on the actual bottle itself. The strength of the whiskey, the last two digits of the strength is the year that it was bottled. So this oh. one is at 51.5. Got it. Last year was 51.4. Next year, 51.6. We're looking forward to the 20s and the 30s. Uh, <laughs> it'll be a, a pretty powerful spirit for us. Amazing. But this one's a pretty big one as well. Our distillery manager, John Campbell, was interested in um, producing a more of a, for the 200-year anniversary, more of a 19th century style uh, Lafroig. So we used uh, 100% floor malted barley from our, our floor maltings at the distillery, and he distilled it in our smallest spirit stills, which are the original size when whiskey was legalized in 1823. You had to have a thousand gallon still, 4,000 liters. And so um, that is what we have with this whiskey, um, and it's almost 12 years old and aged in our number one warehouse, which is the one when you see that iconic photograph of Lafroy, uh-huh. that white warehouse, it was aged right there, which is the dampest place uh, at the distillery. So th- hence the color is much more of a pale straw gold color uh, because you're getting less of the influence of the wood and more distillery characteristic. So I'll offer you a toast okay. with Karchus. Karchus. This is what my grandfather taught me. It goes like this. Here's Teus Nelekas Godent. And that translates to here's to us. There's nobody else like us. Damn the rest. Slunch. <laughs> ah, slunch. Well, this is too much fun. And um, drinking with my friend Simon Brooking from Lafroig and David Kearns, who's uh, one of the, the brand uh, managers for uh, Lafroig, tasted the Select, uh, the Lafroig 15, and the Karchus. Right? And what's up next? You had something special. You brought something really special, and I'm just thrilled. 
We brought a little surprise for you. This is, uh, again, to celebrate our 200-year anniversary. Uh, this is some of the oldest Laphroaig that is available on the planet right wow. now. This is the Laphroaig 32-year-old. Um, spent its whole time in sherry. You can definitely see the difference between that and the Karchus bottling. Um, and um, this really has a beautiful elegance to it. Um, and when you taste this, I always say, just hold it in your mouth. Just hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, and then let go. Okay. <laughs> the finish is much longer on this. You'll get this finish tomorrow about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. You'll get this little puff of smoke, and then you go, what the... Oh, it must. It was at Laphroaig Thirty Two. Oh my goodness! Um, such a deep uh, amber color. It's beautiful. It just it just sings in that bottle, and the the, the label is strong and um, pronounced. It just looks uh, royal, like royalty. Uh, what a treat! Thirty two years in you sherry said, sherry casks. Yeah. There's um, a lovely velvet mouthfeel to this, and there is that we never lose the smoke. No, as it's well. very very faint on the finish, but yeah. it, it just it's kind of like a thread, a, a peat thread that, that a silk thread. It's really delicious, so soft. But wow, what a lingering finish! It's crazy to think that something that's been hiding in an oak barrel or you know a sherry cask is can be so fabulously concentrated and balanced. And it certainly is a, a testament to the people at the distillery, uh, the 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 stillmen the mashmen, the maltmen who, you know, literally grow this barley on the floors of the distillery and then and then uh and then distill it to an amazing liquid which they then put to sleep for thirty two years and um and then give us the opportunity to, to try this. Yeah, no doubt. Thirty two years is a elixir. long time if you, you you know, in the your fifties, sixties you might not see it and that's kinda of crazy. So you're probably sneaking some for the from a little weed dram as it matures to sort of quality control, I bet. Always checking. Always <laughs> checking. Part of the angels share, I'm sure. Um Lafroy thirty two, this is uh, very rare. Is this just the only bottle in Seattle or is there more? It's on the way. It's, it's on the way. It's coming. There will be some available for retail, but it is not cheap. It's not, yeah. Well, I, I can see because uh, it's just beautiful spirit. Well, um, Lafroig.com, you have a website? Yes, and and I might also mention Friends of Lafroig. When, when you purchase a bottle, the little brochure in the tube, yes. don't throw it away. Most people just open the tube to drink, not to read. But read the brochure, take the code, and sign up, and you'll own a square foot of land on the island uh, where we make Lafroig. And I have one of those. There I'm proud. Go. I'm a proud yes. owner of landowner, quote unquote, yeah, leaseholder. You need to come cut your grass. It's I getting need to very cut. tall, Chris. <laughs> Simon Brooking, the ambassador of Lafroig, uh, single malt scotch. Beautiful. Great to see you. Welcome back to Seattle. I look forward to uh, parting at the single malt scotch extravaganza. And uh, thanks so much for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Cheers, Slanja. Slanja. Uh, that's Simon Brooking, one of my best pals in the spirits industry. And uh, stick around. I got uh, Gene Shook, who's going to talk all about gin when we come back. Back on Happy Hour Radio. Hi, I'm Dave Bender with Wish Wine Company, and you're listening to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan on 570 KVI. The Commute with Carlson, weekdays 6 to 9 a.m. on Talk Radio 570 KVI. You're in the know with KVI Want to Know Weekends. Here's more Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, ho, ho, ho. It's uh, Saturday night, and uh, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. Time for round three, and uh, I've got uh, my pal Gene Shook, who is the founder of Seattle Gin Society here, and we're going to make up, mix up, well, he's going to mix up, I'm going to sip up some great gin 
cocktails. Uh, so, Gene, welcome back to Happy Hour. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me back. Hey, um, I was talking about uh, this great book uh, by Aaron Knoll. It's called Gin, the Artisanal, uh, the Rebirth of the Artisan Gin. And mm-hmm. um, I'm really digging it. So I'm pleased to have you here back. And you've got some cool recipes for, uh, you know, when we think about the winter, often we think about brown spirits. But mm-hmm. um, gin is something that adds a little more exotic and exuberance and uh, interest in a cocktail. What do you got lined up for me today? Uh, we're going to be doing punches this time. I think uh, everyone thinks of holiday punches as typically rum, but gin uh, has a lot of history in doing punches, so we're going to make some gin punch. Gin punch, the yeah. one-two punch. <laughs> yes, yeah, so with good gin, of course. Yes. And um, Well, why don't you tell me, um, do we have names for these, and is there a little history behind these punches? Sure. So uh, the two we're going to do today were both our distiller's punch. They were invented by the distiller of the gin. Um, What the distiller gets to do when he makes his punch is he can go back to his gin and highlight some of the botanicals that he put into it. So think about how you make a punch. You're, You're kind of making a cocktail and then you're you're watering it down. So a punch is not going to have as much alcohol content as a traditional cocktail. In fact, it should be about half that because pe- you know you want people to come to your party and quaff a lot of punch and not get <laughs> no, too pun- inebriated, not get knocked out, not get knocked out, you- enjoy themselves but not get overly enthusiastic. So you know a traditional punch is going to have a a base spirit uh, such as gin. Um, often there is a second spirit in there as well. Um, usually you're going to use some sort of citrus. Uh, usually that ends up being the juice. And then it's all about presentation with bubbles. So you can use Prosecco, you can use um, uh, soda water, you can use ginger ale, something to sparkle it up. And then you've got to have a good presentation, so a big punch bowl with a big block of ice or have a lot of floating slices. Some of wheels of limes and wheels lemons and, and limes oranges. Wheels of oranges and um, whatever you want to do. Uh, the first punch that we're going to do is very interesting, though, because he's actually barrel aging his punch. Interesting. So the idea of a punch is really... Um, a base spirit, and when we think about winter punches, um, citrus actually ripens in the winter. Right, <laughs> exactly. That's traditionally when people would get their citrus would be around Christmas time. You yeah. get the oranges. So. That's why those satsumas and you know the story behind that. Why do we get those? Well, that's because they're ripe. That's Hello. that's the time. So you want to put put a lot of those in the punches, and it you know it's filled with vitamin C, and this is all again towards your health. This is yes. why we're drinking these punches. That's right. So uh, the name of the particular gin you're using today is this is Three Hells Navy Strength Gin. Navy Strength. Yeah. So Navy Strength is a higher proof gin. This one is actually. 114 proof. Um, personally, I tend not to be very enthusiastic about high proof products because they tend to be extremely alcoholic. However, <laughs> that's kind of what it means, right? <laughs> when you're when you're making a punch, you kind of want that because you want to try and keep the proof level up in your punch. So you typically would use a higher strength gin, um, higher strength product. And in this case, we're going to use Three Hells Naval Strength Gin. Okay. What he did is he's doing a riff on a Negroni. One of our oh. favorite gin cocktails. Right. Um, it's Campari, gin. Yeah, Campari, gin, and he's using Maletti as the Amaro in this uh-huh. particular one. Um, then he actually took juniper and peppercorn, put it in a barrel, and he's letting it rest there now for about another week. You say juniper and peppercorn or the juniper peppercorn? The juniper and peppercorn. Got it. So uh-huh. two separate things. Um, and he, 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 his gins 
are not as juniper rich forward as they could be. So he's trying to bring that out, I think, with this particular um, punch. Sure. Um, now it's going to sit in a barrel for a week or so as a high proof. There's going to be a lot of interactions in that barrel. Uh, you don't put the citrus in at that point. The citrus would have an, a, a poor interaction with the barrel. Sure. And this is actually something people can do at home. You can buy one of those small barrels um, at Costco, or there's a number of places you can still get them. It's an oak barrel. An oak barrel. <laughs> you just put it. Put you know, put a bottle of the Three Halls Navy Strength Gin. Put some Campari. Put some uh, Maletti or an or Amaro, an Amaro, right? Or an Amaro, yeah. Any other yeah. Amaro. You typically use two Amaros. You're going to let it sit, and you're going to let it richen for a week. Um, and then when you get to pour it, you can often use the spout on the barrel so you have a great presentation, and you pour it out, and you pour it into um, some sort of citrus in order to make the... Yeah, that's the, really fun. And uh, that's been kind of a, um, a little uh, trend. People are, are getting to experiment. And as part of the artisanal cocktail, you see all these great bars around town actually aging their own spirits in a, uh, in a barrel. We're not talking a rain barrel or no. a, uh, a plastic bottle barrel. Although, I guess you could. We're looking for something that actually breathes and is actually organic. Right. So, um, the name of this is called... Um, this is called Three Halls Distillers Punch. Punch. I see. So that's Will Maskmeyer, and we've yep. had Will on, on the show, and uh, I really enjoyed his gin. So, I'm going to take a reach... There you go. You're the Pretty first color. one to try. Yeah, there's, the, well, you want you typically the gin punches are going to be lighter colors. They're going to be holiday festive. You want to you want a rich, fun color. All right. So, um, wow, I just took a sniff and I get some of the citrus, but also a hint of juniper and there's a touch of pepper there. Yep, yep, yep. And uh, my my go to always is to keep a bottle of um, lemonade on hand. So if I want to extend my punch, I can always just put a little more lemonade in it and more people can drink it. Um, you don't need to expend a lot of money on, on the gins you're using. That's, in fact, one of the things I recommend is you go towards inexpensive gins. Um, right. Yeah, because you're, you're drinking it as a punch and you're really going to be putting a lot of things in it. You're adding to it. Yeah. You know, expensive gin tends to be delicate and complex and you're right. going to make a, a simple gin and make it complex. Right. Now, this has got the great uh, orange citrus flavor on the attack. Mm -hmm. um, it's smooth, but then it comes up with that spice and then the, the slight bitterness from the Amaro yeah. on the finish. Excellent, and it's good to have that spice in it. You know, you want a spicy punch in the winter. Yes, it's kind of warming, and um, I also like the fact that it's the, the dryness, the bitterness dries out your palate, so you mm -hmm. want to take another sip. It's not it, cloyingly sweet. And, and that's the big thing about the punches is you want your punches to be dry or bitter. Um, you're going to have a lot of sweet things to eat at your holiday party. So you want to balance that. You don't want a sweet punch. It's why I actually don't like rum punches at parties, is they tend to be really, really rich and sweet. Yeah, rums, and dark rums, it, and dark all that. rums, and I don't get to taste then all the other foods because <laughs> my, my my palate is tired of tasting sweet and it wants to taste something else. Uh, so fun. So three howls, and uh, they've got I think it's threehowlsdistillery.com and yep. uh, Will Maskmeyer, cool cat. Yep. Um, you have another recipe. Uh, tell me about this second recipe for a gin punch. Yeah. So this one I'm actually featuring the liqueur in it. I'm using letterpress. Limoncello. Um, it's a local liqueur that made here right down here in Soto. Um, they sweeten with honey, which is uh, not unique, but it's not commonly done. Honey is difficult to work with. And um, lemon peel. Um, and then the nice thing about this one is, while the limoncello is a little more pricier, um, you can use an extremely cheap gin as the back. Mm -hmm. And in fact, um, the base for this punch was it's a very common hot toddy. This is wonderful in the winter when you're you have that cold. As I hear you're coughing, oh, right. just have yeah. a little bit of this limoncello and some some gin at night, heated up, 
and uh, make it make it really sort of nice and fresh. Okay, and uh, Letterpress is another uh, Washington distillery down in Soto. Um, and Lemoncello is a, a classic Italian uh, alcoholic beverage where they would preserve lemons with sugar and uh, grappa yep. at, the, at the end. Because grappa was a little... <laughs> That's what's could what be, available. <laughs> could be a little fierce and uh, a little lemon and sugar. Let me try this one. The, so the, the in opposite of our first punch, the thing I love about this punch is it's incredibly easy to make. All I've got is gin, limoncello, and I, I sweetened it with lemon water, lemon sparkling water. Mm. Now I get uh, this is this has a glycerol feel in the palate. This right. is a little more round, soft. Uh, I want to call it like jelly bean like. That's the honey. Uh, ah. When you sweeten with honey, you're not going to get those sparkling, um, sharp moments of sweetness. The, the honey is going to make it round in your mouth. So there's a number of liqueurs now that are being using honey as the sweetener, uh, and it creates a richer, there's a little protein in it when you're drinking it, so mm-hmm. it kind of extends it out. The nice thing is you also don't need to use as much of a honey honey sweetened product as you would a chemical sweetened product because <laughs> it has more oomph to it. Uh, yes, a little more uh, glycemic yeah. uh, index that gives you more sugar. Now, it's kind of fun. This is a lighter colored uh, punch. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's a little more translucent with the limoncello. Um, the the bitterness is from the actual gin in yep. this, right? So that so I get sweet. I get uh, I actually I get lemon, honey, a touch of orange something, and then I get the juniper green and dryness on the finish. This is a little more sugar yep. than the previous one, but it's still mouth-watering. I think it's got a more acidity, too. It, it does have more acidity, and you're also going to bring out the gin notes from this particular gin. Mm-hmm. Uh, the gin in this case was big gin because I had a bottle lying around, but you can also use a fairly inexpensive gin if you wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> well, which I recommend because yeah. you want to save those for actually just truly in, in, uh, enjoying a, a real gin cocktail. Uh, well, Gene Shook with the Seattle Gin Society. Are these recipes by chance on your website? They are. They're at gin-society.com. We have a number of other recipes as well. Gin-society.com. Wow, that's, that's pretty cool. There's always a dash in gin. <laughs> there is. Well, Gene Shook, I look forward to having you back on. I'm, I'm falling in love with gin now and uh, for the holidays. Uh, so thanks so much for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Thank you. Enjoy being here. Mm, so those are two punches. The one-two punch, I guess, we have here <laughs> on Happy Hour Radio tonight. I uh, hope you enjoyed the show. Um, stick around. We're going to have uh, Mary Hill Winery coming up and part of our, our year in the life with Mary Hill Winery. That's Richard Batchelor, the winemaker. will be our final segment for a while, and uh, we'll be right back here on Happy Hour Radio. Hi, I'm Charles Smith with Charles Smith Wines, and you're listening to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan on 570 KBI. A look at the world from a Northwest perspective. Lars Larson, live, weekdays, noon to 3. Talk Radio 570 KBI Want to Know Weekends continue. Now, back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. Ho, ho, ho. And, uh... This is our, our live reality radio segment. I have the pleasure of speaking with Richard Batchelor today um, as we conclude a year in the life of Mary Hill Winery. Richard, welcome back to Happy Hour. Great to be here. Thanks, Chris. Hey, and um, I can't believe it's been a year, actually more than a year. We started uh, last year back in uh, July and August talking about um, the vintage, and here we are. Uh, is uh, the 2015 vintage put to bed now down there in Mary Hill? Absolutely. We pressed off our last tank uh, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, so that was a, a true 
timely thing. So we were <laughs> thankful for that. No more crazy hours and weekends, so that was great. Um, and then just uh, obviously all the Harvest crew, we have a great uh, feed. Craig and Vicky invite all uh, interns, which have a lot of foreigners over for Harvest, and so it's a really good uh, time of year to culturally to show them um, Thanksgiving in America. Yeah, how was the weather down there? Was it uh, rainy and cold? I mean, when you're inside pressing and all that, right? Yeah, well, no, the presses are outside. So uh. we, yeah, <laughs> it gets a little a little chilly. So it's, uh, get, it unlo- um, get it in the press as quick as we can and uh, push the button and just hope it uh, doesn't freeze on the way. But no, with the alcohol and the wine, it won't freeze, so it's great. So let's talk about this vintage. How many different varieties and blends did you produce in 2015? So we have uh, 31 grape varieties. Um, we picked up a new one this year, uh, Alberino, so white wine that will be bottling around April, uh, hopefully for about a June release. And that's just a really lovely, uh, easy-drinking white wine, great with uh, light food and everything. So it's a great, um, enjoyable summer sipper that we'll be releasing this year. Everyone's excited about that. Uh, we had a, a party. We actually started pouring that round, even though it's still a little cloudy. Uh, everyone really loved the fruit profile on that, so that was uh, something that's great to look forward to. And then totaling, we're going to bottle about 58 to 60 wines this year uh, in 2016. Wow. And we're, we're getting ready to bottle our rosé um, the week before Christmas. Uh, that That wine is just really soaring rosés globally are a great wine out there and uh, again it's great for spring and summer and they really fly off the shelf yeah even for turkey <laughs> in uh, the holidays what's your blend for the rosé this uh for this vintage it's uh sangiovese sangiovese um, same yep yeah, same blend as we always do we have a lovely long-term contract with the tudor hill family um out of uh, grandview there and they continue to um, farm lovely Sangiovese that goes into this wine. That's excellent. And uh, when it comes to Albarino, do you actually go out and taste a bunch of different Albarinos before you say, I'm going to make that? Or are you sort of a gunslinger and say, you know what, bring it, I'll shoot it down and <laughs> we'll conquer that grape? Now, it was one of those things, we've been tasting it for a while and Craig and, and Vicky got hot on it as well, tasting at restaurants and we're like, we should do this. And we were fortunate we had a girl pick up a new Vineyard, and they grafted over some uh, some Pinot Gris to Albarino. So we've got a small harvest for this 2015. Um, but we did a lot of tasting. It's a you know really rough job. We had to taste all these Albarinos, <laughs> find the right blend. Yeah, well you're the man to do it, and uh, you're going to help tasting wines. I want to come down there and see how you blend sometime. I'll do that uh, here in the spring or whenever you guys get going on on some of that. But um, th- what vintage was 2015 for you? Is that your ninth or tenth? Oh goodness! I think it's my eighth. Um, eighth. Awesome, and yeah. uh, you're pretty. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> they kind of blend in, don't they? Except for the, yeah, the they, rain and the heat. Yeah. Well, that's really yeah. exciting. Um, now, again, in 2016, the amphitheater will be up and running. Is that right? Absolutely. I've got the little series told me there will be a few concerts that are already lined up. So, really looking forward to that. And that's something that uh, Craig will put out. Around March, he usually puts the 
the listing for the concert there. Well, I'm excited about that, and it's been a pleasure to actually uh, check in with you and Vicki and Craig over the, the course of the 15 months that we've had a, a day in the life of Mary Hill Winery. So now you get a little chance. You're going to go head off to Hawaii because you're going to let the interns work the rest of the ferments or what? <laughs> No, I'm actually down in Portland at the Holiday Ale Fest, uh, having a, a beer drinking session all week. <laughs> so that's <laughs> that's what we do. Uh, all the hard winemaking work hours, uh, we drink beer at the end of it. Oh, well, congratulations. It does take a lot of great beer to make great wine. And Mary Hill's been at the top. Congratulations on all your awards. And thanks so much for joining me this past year, and congratulations on 2015. Thank you so much, Christopher. Great to talk to you. All right. Cheers. Happy holidays. That's Richard Batchelor, the winemaker for Mary Hill Winery, and I want to thank them. A, a year in the life of Mary Hill Winery, but one of our great partners uh, this past year, and it's been a pleasure to see, actually, um, to hear what's happening down there, and that's pretty cool. Hope you enjoyed that segment uh, over the course of all our shows. This is show number 91, so we've been doing this for a while. Um, wishing you the happy holidays, and remember, folks, uh, if you have any questions, shoot me an email to ask at Happy Hour Radio. And of course, life is always better with a designated driver. Cheers!